Today's shir, although not as topical as the last few days have been where we've had these fascinating pieces of Gemara, uh, is nevertheless perhaps one of the most important of all the matmonim that we've had so far in the last two and a half years. Uh, important both in terms of methodology and in terms of uh, insights into how the Torah works, particularly with respect to the difference between rabbinic and Torah laws. That the way, the understanding what a Torah law is and what a rabbinic law is, is inherently different. And uh, and we deal with them in different ways. It's an important to understand those differences as we understand how the Torah really operates. Uh, and it all revolves around uh, the posuk in the Torah that we have in Pasha Shoftim. According to the laws that they teach you and, and announce to you, meaning the Sanhedrin, the Chachomim, the, the rabbinic authorities of your time, you shall do. You may not deviate left or right from that which they tell you to do. And that's the authority that, that the rabbis have to legislate. And we'll, we'll, we'll have a look at that. And it's in fact through an unanswered question of our friend from yesterday. So the Maritz Chayes came to visit us yesterday, you remember, and we learned with him yesterday. And, uh, and we talked about what a, what a fascinating character he, he was in the first half of the 19th century. Uh, and today he comes back to visit us with an unanswered question, which a colleague of his also asks. Uh, the, the Malay Haroyim, same kind of period. And both of them are at the back of, of all the Gomorrahs. Uh, so although one doesn't hear about them that, that often, uh, both of them, at every Masechet, at the back of every Vilna Shas Gomorrah, you'll find, you'll find them, and, and so on Asugia as well. Uh, and we're going to answer their question, their unanswered question, with an understanding that we glean from a comment of the Meshech Chochma, who's Rav Meir Simcha, the Rov of Dvinsk, died in the 1920s. Um, the Meshech Chochma also wrote the Or Sameach. The two Or Sameach is written on the Rambam, the Meshech Chochma is written on the Torah. Uh, both, both of them amazing and very important works. And from the Meshech Chochma, we'll understand the principle with which I think we can answer the question of the of the Maritz Chayis and the Malay Haroim, and in that process, we'll understand how these laws work. It starts with a, a din that we have in the Mishnah that Meuberet Chaveru Umineket Chaveru Lo Shotot Velo Notlot Ktuva. This first Mishnah of the fourth parak of Soita deals with the fact that there are cases where the Soita water doesn't work, and there are also cases where if the woman doesn't want to or cannot drink from the sota water, uh, if, she, if he divorces her, she doesn't get a ktuva, she's not paid out, because she got herself into that mess. He asked her not to associate with such and such a person. She did associate with that person. We don't know if anything happened or not, but the mere fact that she associated with that person meant she's taken her future into her own hands and been willing to take the risk of... of uh, uh, disregarding her husband's request and warning, and so she forgoes the ksuba rights which she would normally have from him in the case of a divorce. Um, and one of the case, one of the, the guiding principles as to when the sota doesn't work is if for any reason he shouldn't be married to her at that time. So there are many cases, there are some cases in the Torah where if you marry a person you're not allowed to marry, there isn't a marriage, it's nothing. 
Um, if a man were to marry the wife of another man, it's not a marriage. They aren't married. It's both forbidden and it isn't a marriage. But there are cases where you, you, the marriage works. You're married to, to, the, to the woman, but you're not, you're not allowed to be married to her. But the marriage is legal. So it's legal, but it's not permissible. In a case where it's legal but not permissible, the sort of water doesn't work. If he's not allowed to be with this woman for whatever reason, and the Mishnah goes through various cases, then the sort of water doesn't work. One such case is There is a rabbinic law, there's a derabonin, that a man cannot marry a woman who is pregnant with somebody else's baby. So she became pregnant, he divorced her, before the baby is born, he can't marry her. And if the baby has been born, then for the next 24 months while she's feeding the baby, he also can't marry her. That's the law of the, of the rabbi. If he does marry her, the marriage is valid. But it's also, he's not allowed to do it. And these cases, So they, in such a case, ktuva doesn't work and soita and doesn't work because he shouldn't be married to her in the first place. Divrei Rabbi Meir. Notice, that's Rabbi Meir who says that. The Chachomim Omrim. And what do, the, what do the Chachomim say? The Chachomim disagree. And the Chachomim say, There's not an inherent prohibition. Right now he's not allowed to be married to her. But he could theoretically withdraw from her and, and get together again in, in, in several months or two years' time, or whatever the case may be. So she's not, she's not a, a woman who's forbidden to him. She's a woman who's permitted to him. Just at this time, he shouldn't be with her. So a different view of the Chachamim and Rabbi Meir. We're going to focus on Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir says, at this point, he should not be with this woman. Therefore, if she's unfaithful at this point, the sota won't work. Why? Because, as Rashi says, because he, she's not appropriate for him to stay married to at that time. Yes, it's true, Chachomim, that later on he could get together with her. But right now he shouldn't be married to her. And since he not, right now shouldn't be married to her, the sota water won't work. Now we have a different Gemara, totally unrelated. That's the beauty of, of Gemara we've often talked about. And when we had this year a few days ago about the importance of being able to learn in depth, it's because how you compare things that don't seem to be the same or you differentiate between things that are the same. So here we have a Gemara from Sukkah that's on a completely different topic. But it's also Rabbi Meir. You make a Sukkah on two animals. How does that work? Says Rashi, like you put a, a, a big plank across two horses and you build walls up on the plank and you put schach on the walls and the horses are, are holding up your sukkah. Then that, that isn't going to work. Let's even say the horses are tied up, they're not moving around. We're not worried about that. What are we worried? We'll see in a moment. Rabbi Yudha Machshiv, Rabbi Yudha Posel. Rabbi Meir Machshiv, Rabbi Yudha Posel. There's a Machloikis, Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yudha, about whether it's kosher. My time is Rabbi Yudha. Why, according to Rabbi Yudha, does this animal based sukkah not work? Amakra, Chagach Sukkot Taselech Hashivat Yamim. The Posel says you've got to have sukkah seven days. You need a sukkah that can be used for seven days. But if it's not able to be used all seven days, it's not fit to be a sukkah. 
Says Rashi, why is it not that said you can't climb onto animals on, on Yom Tov and Shabbos. So it's got nothing to do with the laws of Sukkah. There's just, you can't, you can't climb on animals or use animals on Shabbos or Yom Tov. So this Sukkah, which is being put, supported by an animal on first day Yom Tov, you can't use. So for the first day, you can't use the Sukkah. The rest of the time, it should be fine, but it's not a Sukkah because it's not fit all seven days. However, the Chachomim, the Rabbi Meir says, It's a Drabonim that makes it an unfit for a Sukkah. But from the Torah's perspective, there's nothing wrong with it. It's a good sukkah that could be used for seven days. What does the Malay Aroyim ask there in sukkah? Then we've got a problem with Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Meir. So what does Rabbi Meir say in sukkah? If there's a rabbinic impediment, but, but from the Torah's perspective, it's usable, we consider it usable. What does Rabbi Meir say in our Mishnah? There's a rabbinic impediment to him being married to her. And therefore, we consider it not, not suitable, not fit. So does the rabbinic impediment disqualify the issue as if it were a Torah impediment? Or do we say, no, it's the rabbis. But if you take the rabbinic impediment away and you just look at it from a Torah lens, through the Torah lens, everything's good and fine. So the question is, can you separate them out? Can you look at a thing through a Doraisa lens and through a Drabonin lens? Can you separate them out and say, yeah, the Drabonin have instituted certain legislation and that creates complications. But if you take that aside, just from a Torah perspective, everything looks good. And Rabbi Meir is not consistent in the Gemara in Sukkah and in the Gemara in and our Mishnah here in, in Sota. And that's the question of the Malay Haroim and the Maretz and the Maretz Chais. And that revolves to some degree around the, the famous Rambam in Hichos Memrim, where the Rambam makes it very clear. It's worth noticing a couple of his words. The Sanhedrin, the Chachomim, they're the main source of Torah Shebapo, of the oral law. They are the foundations of, of Psak, of Halacha. Through the principles they developed, the laws go out to the whole of Israel for all generations. Anybody who believes in Moshe and the Torah has to rely on the Rabbonins. You can't separate them out and say, it's just a Rabbonin. How often do you hear those words? It's just a Rabbonin. Says the Rambam, you can't say that. Because the Adrabonin is a Doraisa, and he goes on in Halakha Bey to say that. If you don't keep a law of the rabbis, you're also, you're also disobeying a, rabbinic, a Torah law. Because the Torah says you have to listen to the laws of the rabbis, and he goes on to explain that. So you can't separate it out, says the Rambam. Every rabbinic law is also a Torah law. The Ramban attacks the Rambam on many counts. Um, but, but we go, the, the Rambam is very powerful, and that's the way we, we go mostly. And the Meshe Chochmah, as I said to the Rove of, of, of Dvinsk, explains this view of the Rambam. He defends the Rambam against the Ramban's objection. And he says, I am just dust and ashes compared to the Ramban. Who am I to come and answer the Rambam? But with my intellect, I can only use my intellect. That's what I've got to use, as we've learned in Shirim over the last week or two. Um, I've got to learn like the, the Rambam, because the Rambam is true. 
And the Meshech Chochmah introduces us to a foundational principle in Torah. Ki ha-Torah ratzta asher milvad inyanim ha-nitzchiyim va-kayamim la'ad yitchadesh inyanim siyagiyim va-azarot v'chumrot asher yuzmaniyim. The Torah wanted that apart from universal laws that are eternal, to have temporal laws that are introduced when needed by society. So you've got Torah laws which are fundamental, foundational, they can't be changed, they're eternal. And the Torah also wanted halachic agility. The Torah wanted the, ter- the, 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 the Torah wanted the Torah to be able to evolve and adjust and develop to different periods and different times. And for that, it has to give the authority to the Chachamim. And so the Torah gives the Rabbonin laws and principles and guidelines and method as to how to legislate new laws that aren't actually in the Torah. Nobody can say, I, I'm not obligated to listen to the rabbinic laws. I just listen to the Torah laws. You can't say that. That's what we've got. Um, in order that the society community should be united. If you don't listen to the Torah, you're over in Isidore Isa. But the, that which the rabbis institute might not be something that the Torah really wants from a fundamental perspective. The rabbis do it, and therefore later on another Beisdin could come and undo what the rabbis did. You can't undo what the Torah did, but you can, one Beisdin can undo what an earlier Beisdin have done because the rabbis can undo rabbinic laws just as the rabbis can create rabbinic law because that flexibility is what, what protects the Torah from becoming fundamentalist and rigid and fossilized. The Torah therefore gives us the, the non-negotiable fundamentals that allows society through the Chachomim to adjust and develop and extrapolate and apply the Torah in the various ages. Um, and therefore he goes on to explain when the Torah says, for example, this meat is treif, this is chazah. That chazer is, is treif in itself. The substance is treif. And if you eat it, the Nesiva says in Simon Reish Lamedalit, the Nesiva says, and therefore you need kapora, even if you ate it by mistake. Because the fact is you've eaten poison, you've eaten spiritual poison, you've eaten the chazer. Uh, the object, the substance is what becomes asur. But if the Chachomim, for example, say chicken should be treated like meat, that doesn't make chicken meat. Chicken is still chicken. It's just your behavior that the Chachomim govern. So the Torah informs substance and behavior results, and the Chachomim inform behavior, not substance. The, the Torah says, today is Shabbos, there's a different quality in the air, the day, the time, has a kedusha to it that other time doesn't have. The consequence of that is a whole lot of laws that apply on Shabbos. But what the Torah is telling us is the substantial difference, the substantive difference between Shabbos and a weekday. The Torah says, Chaz is also, it's telling us a substantive difference between Chazer or any treif animal. And the result of that is a whole lot of laws. When the Chachomim come along and say, second day Yom Tev, they're not saying there's a substantive Kedusha in the second day. They're saying you need to behave on the second day as if it's the first day. When they say chicken is meat, they mean you've got to treat chicken as if it's meat. You follow the difference. This is really important to understand the difference. Now, with that understanding, we'll be able to answer the 
the contradiction between the two Rabbi Meirs. So let's look at the, at the Gemara in Sukkah, where Rabbi Meir says, it doesn't matter that the Chachomim say you can't, you can't use the Sukkah because you can't use an animal on Yom Tov. But the Chachomim have, what is our issue on Sukkot? What we're looking at, is this a Sukkah or isn't it? What are we looking at? The object or behavior? What, what are we discussing? We're looking at the object. Is this a Sukkah or isn't it a Sukkah? If it's a sukkah, there are certain behavioral consequences. If it's not a sukkah, there are other behavioral consequences. Says the Rabbi Meir, yes, the Chachomim say you can't get into the sukkah, but not because it's not a sukkah. You can't get into it because there's a second law of Shabbos regarding, regarding animals. You're not allowed to use the animals. That's the problem. So it's as if the Chachomim are standing there as gods and saying, this is a sukkah, but you can't go into it. Says Rabbi Meir, I don't have to worry about that. That doesn't change the actual sukkah. But what about in our Mishnah? Are we concerned with the woman or are we concerned with the man's behavior? Is there anything wrong with this woman? No, she's pregnant. Nothing wrong with her. Is, he al- is she allowed to get married? Yes, the right time she's allowed to get married. Is there anything wrong with the woman who's feeding the child? Nothing wrong at all. She's doing a good thing. What is the issue? Is this man allowed to be married to her? This is about behaviors. So when what we're looking at is the behavior and the Chachomim prohibit the behavior, then that makes her a nairu yali lekayim. Then from a behavioral perspective, she's not allowed to be kept as a wife. And therefore the, the laws of the Rabbonin impact our decision about whether the sota works or whether she gets a tzuba. Because we're talking about behaviors and the laws of the Rabbonin deal with behaviors. But in the case of sukkah, we're dealing with objects, we're dealing with substance, and the laws of the Rabbonin don't affect substance. And therefore, Rabbi Meir says, even though the Rabbonin say you can't use the sukkah, but it doesn't affect the substance of the sukkah, the substance of the sukkah is still sukkah. And that's why Rabbi Meir treats them different in different places. And that would answer the very difficult question of the Malay Haroim and the Maritz Chais. Uh, what, what we see from here is this understanding and how if we want to be attuned to the Torah, we've got to understand how the Torah works. When we, we've got to understand what is a Doris and what is a Darabonim. And that's why the, uh, the Rambam is very clear that the Chachomim have to be careful to make sure that what they, what the people know what's a Darabonim and a Doraisa. And he says that's why uh, Odom was, was punished because what did he do wrong? He told Chava, don't touch the fruit. So he made it Rabbonin. The Torah is the fruit is no good. The Torah didn't say you can't touch it. It's no good for eating. Adam comes and legislates a rabbinic decree. You may not even touch. So what was wrong with that? Why did that lead to the trouble with the snake where the snake pushes her against the tree, she touches it? Because he didn't tell her that's a Rabbonin. He didn't say the Doraita is you can't eat it. The Rabbonin that I've just legislated is you can't touch it. Had she known that, when the snake pushed her against the fruit, she wouldn't have drawn the conclusion she did because she would have understood. So it's important for us as Jewish people, every Jew, to know what is a Doraisa and what is a Rabbonin. To understand when we're dealing with a Doraisa, we're dealing with definition of substance. We're dealing with the physics of spirituality. We're dealing with the physics of halakha. The, the nature of Shabbos substantively, the nature of something trev, substantively, we're dealing with the object and we need to be sensitive to those differences, to what a Shabbos is, what kashrus is, what, what trev is, to be, to be able to feel that. If there's an, uh, we're dealing with Arias, an ishit ish, a woman is married to somebody else, her essence is a different essence. The substance is different. It's not just a behavioral thing that has to be different. 
In the case of Anita, one's married to one's wife, and there are certain things you're not allowed to do uh, during that period. That's behavioral, the Chachomim, according to the Rambam. That, that's, that, that the, is, is instituted by the Chachomim, so as to enable the right kind of relationship. That's behavioral. So it's very important to understand when is there a behavioral, a behavioral directive, and when is there a substantive directive. And that's how to understand the Torah and how to understand life. Sometimes our behavior has to be adjusted by the understanding of the nature of the object we're dealing with. This is fire, don't touch it. This is electricity, be careful. There are things that physically we've got to be careful. Others are behavioral. You've got to drive on the left-hand side, on the right-hand side of the road, even if there are no other cars there. You have to stop at a traffic light, even if nobody else is coming. It's not about substance, it's about behaviors. And we have to be able to balance the two and understand when our behavior is an outcome of substance and when our behavior is directed in itself by the legislation of Chazal.